Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. John Hotchkiss. Welcome to What's the Point? We are not only excited, but I think on behalf of all women and men who are listening, we are very excited to have you. Brief intro, because I want you to kind of lead on your story, but John Hotchkiss was living the dream, living out your, you know, what you thought would make you successful and fulfilled, which was working at GQ in New York, like a very glamorous life. And then a very big event happened when your father passed, right? And then things changed. And he is now a men's coach and therapist and has a newsletter called The Naked Man, which I love and everyone should subscribe. So Sean is a friend of mine through the Topanga community of LA. I'm so happy to have met you and I'm so glad you agreed to come on. Thank you for coming and thank you for being here. Welcome to What's the Point? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Excited to yes. meet you, Annabella. And excited excited for this conversation. So as you know, from mm-hmm. listening to our podcast, thank you, by the way. Our first <laughs> question we ask for every episode is, what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success and are they intertwined? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I had been listening to that one episode and I had been thinking about this on my way over. And I think what came up for me is that I feel like we all get programmed with what our families, our societies, et cetera, definitions of what success is, right? And I think that one of the most important things that I find in like my coaching work with guys is that we have to sort of redefine what success means to us individually. Because I feel like that's the gateway to fulfillment. It's like if I'm going off of what success is on a collective level, I'm probably always going to be pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself to reach sort of that next rung, right? Right. But if I redefine success for myself, like one of the things that I remember working with a coach like early on in my process and him being like, define what a successful day means to you. And of course, like, you know, I wanted to start with like, oh, you know, I get this big project, you know, approved and, and all, you know, that kind of thing going down the line with those sort of more like traditional modes of success. But then he was like, no, like really dig in, like what makes a successful day for you? And I came up with like five or six things and it was so simple. It was like, I got to listen to some good music. I felt the sun on my face. Mm. I had a conversation with a friend. So I think like redefining success in those very minute ways that we know that we can go achieve or that I know that I can go achieve. Like I know I can listen to music and, ha- and I know I can like laugh with a friend today. But if like my bar of success is I need to kill it at like a project today, if I fall short of that, then I'm going to be bummed. Yeah, of course. So I think like the window to fulfillment is defining what success is. And then if you're living a life that's in alignment with what your definition of success is, I think fulfillment is going to be a byproduct of that. Yeah. And it sounds like those, you know, more, almost more meaningful, but accessible and achievable 
new definitions of success are things that are a very personal to each individual and be like things that just bring you joy. Yes. Right. So if I think about like success today would be like having a really good conversation and being present in it or mm-hmm. laughing with a friend. It's like, that's so personal to me. Like mm-hmm. that, it might be different for Annabelle. It might be different for you. It might be different for another guy. Totally. Yeah. It also goes to the fallacy of like busy is better. Like being productive is X, Y, Z, like running around to a million meetings equals better. Like to your point about success, like that's society's version of a successful day. And your definition of a successful day is very different. So what would you say to men? I'm sure you have this conversation often. What would you say to any man listening and women? I think it's all applicable, but definitely men who are kind of defined by these. I think especially on this podcast, we speak a lot about how we all unknowingly subscribe to conventional modes of success. I am successful if and when X. Mm -hmm. And then typically you get those things and you're like, okay, well, next. So what would you say to a man who is very much subscribed? Because I know at least, especially the straight men in my life, Mm -hmm. have very much tied their success to money Mm -hmm. and external accolades Mm -hmm. and status status for some, less for others. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that man? Like, how do you dismantle that, right? Because I think it's also very much intrinsically tied to society's definition of masculinity. Totally. You, you know, it's funny. The first thing that came up for me is like, you know, when you're a kid and your parents tell you something that's gonna is going to happen when you get older and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure it will, you know, or, or whatever. What are you talking about, mom? But then it happens to you and you're like, oh, fuck, they were right. I feel like this journey is kind of like that. Like, I think you need to get to the point that you are seeking maybe even like a handful of times or many times to like see that it doesn't hit that note that you were hoping that it hits, right? That's what I think about a lot. And and I've written about a lot in my story is like, I got the thing that I wanted over and over and over and over again until I was like, wait, I don't think this is working. You know, like I love how Jim Carrey was like going around like for he was doing all those talks for like years and years being like, I wish everybody could get fabulously wealthy and famous at an early age. So they would see that that's not the answer. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what's so difficult is if it's something you've never achieved or if you never experienced, how do you write it off? You know, because I think it's so easy women and men to anyone to look at someone else and be like, wow, like that must be, I even catch myself doing that, you know, being like, that must be so cool. That must be so lucky. Or, I mean, as I've gotten older, it's evolved more into looking at people who I feel like are very much in their purpose. Yeah. I definitely feel like for me, at least in this podcast, I'm definitely closer to what I'm, I love doing it. Mm -hmm. But I remember like often looking at other people and being like, oh, that must be so nice. Mm -hmm. Like that's so, they're so lucky. So what happens now? So now, so someone has become successful, quote unquote, per society twice, let's say. They've made the money, they've got the accolades. Then they come to you and say, hey, how come I'm not happy or feeling good about this version of success? They might. But I think, as I said to you, sort of off the air before when we started, I actually think it's really helpful when someone gets really frustrated and feels really stuck. Like on the second time, you may think that like it's around the next corner still. Right. But if you've been doing it enough and like enough, maybe external things have happened that have been like setbacks or whatever, like I think you get to the point. It's really helpful to be really stuck in terms of a personal growth journey. Like I find that the best clients for me to work with are clients that show up and they're like, I don't know what to do next. I am stuck. I am so willing to work here because I don't know. I like, this is not working for me. Yeah, Because they're receptive to learn from you. Super willing. So what are the most common things that people come to you for? A few things. My relationship with work is problematic. I mean, I, I can just use an example. So like, you know, an investment banker in New York comes to me and says, I have like a really problematic relationship with work. I'm working like 16, 17 hours a day. I literally don't have time to do things for myself or outside of work because I mean, just do the math, right? There's only 24 hours in a day. Everyone gets that. <laughs> if you're working 17 hours a day, that means you're looking at like, you know, you're, you're already maybe going to get seven hours of sleep if you did nothing else. <laughs> right. So issues with like problematic relationships with work, definitely like, I mean, a big one is like, I'm struggling in my relationship, my, my core relationship, whether that's my marriage or my relationship with my partner. 
Um, yeah. it's, it's those places where we all seem to get stuck again and again, like the big things like work, money, sex, relationships. Yeah, of course. You know? It's, it's the big ticket. So I have a stuff. quick question. Do you see mostly straight men? Yes. So I was going to ask, I wonder if gay men have the same, run into the same issues in their relationships. Like, obviously I can, I have a lot of gay friends, so I mm -hmm. can speak to that in some capacity, but from, that would be an interesting question to wonder, like if they run into the same, because I think it is, it's all very human, right? Mm -hmm. I think also like one of the fallacies, and I'd love your like thoughts on this, is to assume that men and women like often in my romantic relationship, I look to my partner and I'm like, he's actually struggling with a lot of the things I struggle with. And I think this like polarity of like, a man should be this or is equipped with this or like hormonally and energetically is just different. So they wouldn't deal with this sort of thing. But like, typically mm. it's all like worthiness, adequacy, confidence, money, scarcity, abundance. Like those are all sort of the things, right? Am I enough? Am I etc. And I think it's just a fascinating thing that we've become so polarized. Like I think we've become very like men versus women. Totally. Is that true in your experience? Like what is your... Yeah. I mean, again, I think Annabelle and I were talking about this before we started, but I, I, I feel like men and women are largely struggling with the same things yeah. at this point in time. Like we, we all get very similar programming. And I think it's like one thing that I see a lot with women friends is them telling me that they were raised like very masculine, like very achievement oriented and very to what you said earlier, like don't express your feelings. Like to me, when I first heard that from women friends, I was shocked because I was like, I thought women grew up being able to express whatever they wanted, you know, like it's, a, it's oh, a, no. not the same to, to be a little girl crying as it is to be a little boy crying. But then my friends were like, no, no, I, I was raised like that. That was not okay. Yeah. And then on the flip side, think about coming into work situations. I've had men say to me, you're too emotional. You're mm -hmm. too this, you're too that. Yeah. And do you think that's something that men struggle with too, being too much of something? Yeah, I think they do because I think, again, we're we're given this programming. Well, let me say something first. I, I end up working with a lot of guys who are very sensitive because I'm sensitive. Mm -hmm. So like they're like artistic people, very creative and sensitive. So they got that programming all the time because it was like they didn't fit into this model of like a stoic, like tough man. And so they didn't know what that meant to be a sensitive person. So yeah. they were always worried about being too much. Do you think it's possible to be sensitive and be in your masculine? Definitely. I think the healthy masculine is a sensitive, sensitive. person. Yeah. I, and, and like to take it back to very like primal instincts, right? Like think about hunters, like, you know, thousands, thousands and thousands or even millions of years ago, right? Like you have to be super sensitive to see every, like see every track, hear every like the breeze blow through the trees. It's like, that's all like super important information. On right. That, it's also on that. being super present and super kind of in tune with yourself, I think. Very present. Yeah. Right. But it's almost like they've lost the whole presence part of it and, and are so into the chase of protecting and making money and mm -hmm. providing for, let's say your family or for whatever it is that the presence actually, I think, takes a step back. They're like, well, I can't be present because in my conversations or in what I'm doing, because I, I need to make more money. I need to do more. I need to help with this. I need to take care of the house. Like, right. Like, is there that kind of situation happening? Yeah. I think it's also fear driven. It's not masculine energy that is problematic in the world. It's, it's the wounded masculine that has been the issue totally. and, and the wounded masculine affects everyone. It's like, it's, it, that's affecting, like, that's how so many of my women friends were also brought up within that wounded masculine, because it's like their mom was brought up that way and their mom was brought yeah, up that way. So right. True. So it's like, what I'm seeing is, especially lately, I don't know what it is. It's like the, it's like this sort of like sins of the father vibe right now out there in the world. But it's like, I feel like there's a huge healing that's happening collectively around masculine energy and bringing that back into like what that means to actually have healthy masculine yes, energy. energy. Like look at our leaders, like in the world and in our country and stuff. Like, it's like, we're in a dark, dark it's chaos. Place. So what yeah. would you say is healthy masculine energy? Healthy masculine energy to me is like, if I think of like a healthy father, right? Like, like in an ideal sense, which so few of us experience, right? We like collectively and in our individual households, but like a healthy father is a witness. 
A healthy father stands and watches. Like think of think about a, a pride of lions or whatever, right? Like the lion is like sitting there just watching over his right. herd, right? And to me, like what so many young boys and young women are missing is that healthy father who is witnessing them. Because again, the father is usually out busting his ass to make money, right? And so is the mother often. <laughs> so it's like what the child is really missing is that witnessing. And I mean, I could go on about this for a long time, but it's like, I think the biggest like collective wound that's happening right now in, in our society, in, in all society, in many societies all over the world is like, I don't feel seen. Look at social media. It's like this rabid, like mm-hmm. hungry, insatiable need to be seen doing yeah. everything. <laughs> we actually just had a podcast right? about this. Like we're all just so desperate to be seen. And I think that's why social media has become so like crazy. Yeah. Because we're like, great, people can see me now. People can hear me now. Like, I can hide behind this thing. And it's like, and it's interesting, actually. I think the way men consume social media is so different, mm. but it's still just as toxic. Yeah. How do you, I'm so interested to hear about. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's very bizarre that we have, and I actually got into it. I had a conversation with my friend Malcolm about this because him and his girlfriend were having whatever. I don't even speak to that, but like he described one of the arguments they'd gone into a while before. And Mm -hmm. I had similarly was like, I kind of did that with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't understand why women feel this way. And so per what that feeling is. I think it's a little bit strange that we've normalized men looking at their phones and it's like kind of like porn where it's just women, totally naked, boobs, bodies, whatever. And like we as women have to be comfortable with that, Mm. but there's no female equivalent to that with men. If you're a straight woman, I'm not like really, I mean, I follow Maluma who's very attractive, but aside from that, and he's posting a lot of body photos, but aside (laughs) from that, it's not like my whole feed, my whole feed is like design and this and that and people having babies. And it's like very interesting to me, to me, it's another like dopamine, you know, porn era vibe totally. where it's like, why have we normalized that this is, I'm all good for like a woman to be doing that in her power. Go mm-hmm. like, that's great. But the fact that we've normalized like that, my boyfriend and my friend's husband and the, you know, what, whoever, even my dad is on Instagram and it's like just women <laughs> And like they get fed that is like kind of weird to me. I I get it. And I just think that that's something I'd love to talk about that. Like, I think it's a really interesting thing. Like on a real vulnerable level, sometimes it does make me jealous. Like Mm. I'm like, why is this like, and then on a a higher level, I'm like, this is also weird, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, and I don't know if men would be super comfortable with the opposite happening. Oh, I don't think we would be. (laughs) At all. They're so easily threatened. So I'm like, I don't understand why we've normalized that. Well, I think it, it it goes pretty deep here, like because to take it back to what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like if a if a father is not there, present in the household, to take right. it back to our family of origin, guess who the young boy gets hooked to? He stays there, and that's like that dependency on that feminine energy, that 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 mother wound, as we would call it, like in the in the men's workspace. <laughs> that's like it pervades everything. In our culture, because we don't have like, we don't have traditional rites of passage in our, in our culture anymore. Like you might have some, like you join a fraternity or or bar mitzvah, or (laughs) like you, you, you know, get your first job and you're, you know, working in an office with older guys. Right. But it's not, it's not like it used to be. It's not like tribal intrinsic. You don't have a vision quest and go off and, and, you know, get a new name and come back and have a celebration. It's, it's, it's very different. Even bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, they'd been so watered down. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's now about like you get checks from people and you get presents. Yeah. You get the party. Yeah. 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 So because we don't have rites of passage, like I, I'll just speak for men, like w- boys don't, we never get severed from the mother. We never get, the umbilical cord never gets cut. Right. So you end up with all these mama's boys. Well, you end up with someone who wants to scroll their phone all day, like looking at women and not knowing why, you know, it's like that dependency never gets severed. So it's like, like part of the rites of passage was always the separation from the mother 
Like in some, in some tribes, like they would stage this whole, like, like act where like the men would go in in the middle of the night and like steal the boys away from the mother. And they didn't like it. Obviously they're screaming, you know, like, don't take me away from my mom, but they would take them away to a place where they would initiate them and become men. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we don't have anything like that. So it's like, it's almost like sleep training for masculinity. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where you're like, you just have to like, like be like okay it's yeah. time like yeah. you have we have to break this there's no moment of its time yeah to your point well i actually and that brings me to another point that i really wanted to discuss so this is crazy but i was in new york mm-hmm. it's such a new york story but i truly think this was the universe speaking to me this was a few years ago i was outside of a cafe in or a coffee shop in the West Village. And this homeless woman walked in and sat down next to me. And I was working and she was kind of, she wasn't bothering me, but she was just talking at me, talking at, you know, she was a little loony. And she's like, you know what? She had wisdom. She was like, you know what? The problem with today's society, and this was like five years ago. She's like, the problem with today's society is that men want to be mothered. But in reality, women really need their fathers right now. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. There is this like, I do notice not to, even in the last like two weeks, and maybe it was just like the universe speaking through me in some strange, like getting ready for this conversation or something. But Mm. I have spoken to at least 10 women, friends of mine, who've been a little bit in this conundrum with men, like the romantic men in their life where they're like, they always feel like they're not enough. Like there's always this like inadequacy, this piece where their partner or their ex-partner needs to be comforted in a way that is very mothering. Yeah. And I don't know if you see this a lot in your practice or in your community, but it is a really interesting thing. And I don't want to shun it as like, that's bad. Right. Cause I think we all have an inner child that needs parenting of some sort. Of course. But I have noticed this trend where like men really do need a lot of mothering right now. And I'm wondering if this is partly in part because of what you're talking about. hundred percent. Again, in men's work, like how we work with that, like people who do this kind of thing is we have men's groups because what, again, what is missing from the men? What, I mean, at least in my story, like I lost my dad at a young age. Right. And, and even when my dad was alive, I wasn't getting, he wasn't present. So it was like, I wasn't getting that witnessing. What started to rewire things for me is to be around other men and to get the witnessing that I didn't get. That starts to pull that cord a little bit. And starts to get us a little bit more in a space that feels like we're getting recalibrated. You're being seen. We're being seen by our peers, by fellow men. Also, it's very helpful if you're in a men's group to have men of different ages so that young men can be seen by older men, which is super healing if they didn't have that. And the other way around, because what do older people want? They want to share their wisdom, whether it's men or women, right? It's like, how many, like, I mean, again, culturally, we we don't really take care of our elderly, right? We we kind of push them away, right? So yeah. they don't get to. It's like people don't get to share, like in in community in in a tribe. You you would the elders would be around sharing. Yeah, grandpa all lives with you the time, right? But how do you deal with men who inherently are just very competitive? So like in a men's group, mm-hmm. they would see other men as like competition yeah. versus like go to them for community. Well, I mean, I think first of all, to to agree to participate in a men's group, you have to, there has to be a desire for growth, right? So someone who might be like, you know, super, super competitive and and not trusting of men. I don't know if that guy's going to join a men's group. He might, he might. And the men's group might be healing for him. But I think most men who come into a men's group the first day, they're definitely thinking that they're sizing everyone up. I, I was certainly doing this. I was like, I remember going to men's groups when I first came to LA like six, seven years ago. And I remember I'd walk into the room and I'd just be terrified. Like, cause it was, I was sizing everyone up and I was like, oh shit, am I going to be enough? Am I, am I going to open my mouth? Am I going to say the wrong thing? These guys are going to make fun of me. They're going to dismiss me, say I'm an idiot, whatever. So that definitely comes up. But I think again, over time, if you stay in the group, And if you start to build healthy relationships with God, because again, this wounded masculine thing, it pits guys against guys. Mm -hmm. It's not brotherhood, you know? It's like out in the world, most of it's very competitive to your point. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say men's group though, like what do you mean by men's group? Like what like men's groups are available? I don't even think like, for example, my husband knows that this is like Mm -hmm. a thing. So like, let's take an even step back. Men 
don't know this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And to, I think a good question before we get to yours, just to like precur- like a precursor is, I had a friend say this to me once and it was so profound, my friend Emma. And she said, you know, most, I think her mom imparted her with this. She said, most men want to stay unconscious. Most men want to stay unconscious. Right. So okay. most men, a lot of men, I think are now hoping to wake up. Yeah. So how do we wake men up without emasculating them? Mm-hmm is my first question. Good question. Because that's going to be the person that then can find out about the men's group and want to join, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there, well, there's a couple of things going on. I think right now more men are in trouble than ever. And when you're in trouble, you ask for help. Right. You're, You're broken down. Again, my best client, he's on his fucking knees. Define trouble. Trouble is like, my life isn't working to a man. My life is not working. So like my relationship isn't working. Work is not working. I'm not getting where I want to go. So that like, it's actually ego that gets, that gets us there in the beginning. It's like, it's hundred percent. It's the fact that it's not, that well, things that's aren't healthy working. Ego, right? That's, yeah. it, it's well, helpful in some sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think again, I think this is a little bit there and you guys can say if this is true or not, you're, you know, or, or reflect back on this, but I feel like for most men, it, it takes them to feel like in quite a bit of trouble to ask for help. Because again, think of what we grow up with is like to be vulnerable, to say that you don't have everything figured out. That is like the worst thing that you could say or show. So I think most guys have to be in trouble. And so to answer your question, I think until a man gets to that point, it's really tricky. Okay. But as someone's partner, right? Mm-hmm. So if to speaking to the women that are listening who yeah. are, you know, in whether this, I mean, it, we can go down the rabbit hole of like at work as a mother, as a partner, as a sister or whatever, but like speaking in romantic relationships or Mm -hmm. even friendships, how do you encourage a man who is struggling in that way without being, without emasculating them or without overstepping a boundary of Mm -hmm. like encouraging them in that direction? Or you think it has to be completely self driven. I think more men get into this work from women than any other avenue. Right. You have a, <laughs> I think, a good woman by your side. Well, and also a woman who isn't happy. <laughs> like, I think that's the, I mean, to take it back to the mother wound, right? It's like, that's the surest ticket to get. It may not be the reason that he stays in personal growth work, but for a lot of men, that's definitely the reason that he gets involved because his woman is like, this is not working. What is something that you would want women listening to know about men that maybe we like forget or we don't pay attention to. So like, let me know if you need clarity. on that. No, question. no, I think I understand. I, I, I think a man wants to be seen as like understood that he's trying his best. But what if he's not? <laughs> Everyone's always trying their best or else they yeah, do it another true. way. Yeah, that's true. They do it the, the way yeah. that they know how yeah, or they they're do doing the what they know how. Yes. What's something you would tell men like what's something to all the men listening that are not in men's groups or don't know about men's groups? Okay, like, can we also say like, what are men's groups? Let's go back yeah, to sure, sure. Yeah, There's sorry, a lot sorry. of questions here. Hold on. I want to just address one thing that you said first. I think an important piece of this is, is to come to a partner, mm-hmm. a, your, your male partner, and, and start with that first line. Like, I know you're doing your best. Mm. That to me validates that insecurity right there. Like, I know, I know that you're trying really hard. I know that you're trying really hard right now. I see that you're trying really hard. You're like out there, you're trying to make things work. You're trying to make the relationship work with me. And I understand that that's probably really fucking overwhelming. And (laughs) I maybe need a little bit more, or I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for you to be a little bit more present to what we were talking about earlier. Right. So I think starting by validating his experience is super important. Cause I think when men get ruffled, it's like when you're just like, you're what, what the fuck are you doing? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because yeah. it, it feeds into that I'm not enough story, yeah. which is the deepest insecurity. And you have to disarm them first to what you're saying. Yeah, I've actually I think this, used that. This works across the board. I think this works both yeah, ways. Yeah, I actually use that with, with my husband all the time. <laughs> right. Before I tell him something that is bothering me, yeah. I say, like, maybe I'm not something, something to the effect of, I know you're doing so much. I know you're, you know, trying really hard. I just want, this yeah. is a feeling I've, that has been coming up for me. And mm-hmm. I feel like if I don't say the first part, he gets so defensive and then the communication just does not flow. But if I disarm, let him feel good, validate, and then say my feeling, it tends to net out in a positive conversation where we can talk about our feelings versus a defensive argument. Totally. I mean, I think that's just a good communication tactic, period, for anyone. But I think with men, it's really helpful because, again, we really want to see that you see us doing our best. Right. That's so important. And do you think that desperate? I mean, everyone's desperate to be seen, but do you think that desperation to be seen, especially by the woman in their life, comes down to their mother wound? I mean, <laughs> yeah, on a nuts and bolts level. Probably. Yes. Like deep down yes. somewhere, it's but like, I, don't I just how... need to be validated by the women around me. <laughs> well, again, no. What, I mean, what, well, in my, at least how I understand it is what we really needed was to be validated by our dad, but because we didn't get it. We, we ended up right, being validated would, by mom. Got it. So yes, we want to be validated by you because most lear- men learned to be validated by women to feel good because we didn't have that option to go to men to be validated for that. Because again, with our friends and stuff, we were just validated if we were like doing great at sports. Yeah. Or, so what would it mean to be validated by your father? So you, you said at the beginning that for them to like witness you. So, I mean, this yes. is obviously very close to home because I would like to know what my husband should be doing for our daughter so that she feels, and it's a little different because, you know, she's a girl, but yeah. what would it mean for a father to validate the son so that he doesn't have to go through certain issues later my, on? I worked with a coach named Brian Reeves, who's a great men's coach. And he said, I believe he, he had a few pillars for this. He said, witness support, celebrate. And I'm forgetting the fourth one now, but, but to me, that statement of exactly what we were just talking about, you presenting to your husband before you provide a, some uh, constructive feedback, that that is exactly what, that's a piece of what a father would do in a, in a healthy father son relationship is like, I see you, you're doing amazing. And here's something that worked for me that might work for you. Or here's something that I'm seeing that you might not see, you know? Yeah. And the celebration piece is big too. Like, I think men men don't celebrate. We're just like, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. I like genuinely feel for men. I'm not a, a man hater. I feel like I have a friend who just broke off her engagement and it was a pretty like brutal, like what, I mean, God bless her. She's so evolved. She's like, he's broken. It's sad. What he did was, you know, was not pretty. And it was she can so see like his struggle. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely harder when you're in that situation. But I do, I do see that. I'm like, that is really sad. I feel for that person. And like, she always says, she's like, I don't envy men. I don't want to be in their situation. And it's difficult, right? Because we're in this like fighting against the patriarchy. We want our rights. We want to be paid more, blah, blah, blah. We want to be seen. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I'm like, I don't, I personally think we've really come to which I understand why, but we've come to fighting for our rights as women in a very masculine way. Totally. And it's polarized both. It's like alienated us. Like, yeah. And I think as a species, we need to grow to learn to all help each other. Like mm-hmm. where men lack, women can help and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think just, you know, I don't envy like what men are going through right now. I think it's like women have had to evolve. I think inherently we're a little more in tune with ourselves and our emotional, like, et cetera. But on the same token, it's almost like because we've gone through more hardship, 
we've figured it out. We're like, we know how to deal with this, even if it's not exactly right or if it's masculine. Yeah. Whereas men, I think, are really struggling now and need these tools, yeah. which brings us to Annabelle's original question. So one of these fantastic tools, it sounds like, is these men's group. What's a men's group? How do you find one in your locally, like for listeners, like what defines a men's group and how would you find one to sign up, et cetera? Yeah, there's there's many different kinds of men's groups. There's, you know, you, you could go to a, a group with a therapist um, where it's all men. And, you know, you, you just sit in a circle and share with each other every week. Maybe the therapist has some prompts for you, et cetera. And then there are like, like there are a lot of men's organizations that are popping up. I mean, I can list a few. There's like Sacred Sons. The Mankind Project has been around for years. They do these things called New Warrior Weekends where you go and you, you know, you, you're around men and you do anger work and you do, you know, you get in touch with, you get in touch with buried emotions, grief, et cetera. You talk about your parents and you talk about your upbringing and you, you know, nothing, nothing's off the table. There's a company out of Brooklyn too, which I'm now, now forgetting the name of every man. And they do, they do satellite groups in every city. And then there's like, you know, coaches like me that just, I do men's groups, you know? Right. So I put, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking 11 guys through a year long group this year yeah. all together. So, so it's like group therapy for men. It's, it's a team. It's like, you know, uh, oh, and I remembered the fourth one. I forgot challenge. That's another piece of it, right? Like in addition to celebrating and witnessing and supporting, they're challenging each other, right? Because guys, I think in a way that, that women don't, like in, in the same way, we feed off of challenge. And so like, you know, accountability is big in men's groups, right? Like if a guy wants to say, I want to write a book, but I'm not working on the book every day or I'm not, or mm -hmm. I'm not doing it at all, <laughs> you know, like just having people that could keep me accountable to that, accountable to my goals. And I think, you know, there's been so many articles in the past like five or six years coming out around how most men do not have a single other man that in their life they feel like they can be totally themselves with or like totally vulnerable That's with. That's really sad. You know? So this is like, there's a, there's like a, you know, an epidemic quote unquote of male loneliness, which men's groups are a great solution for. A men's group can be you and three buddies who decide to just sit on the couches over there every, every week and just share for 10 minutes each, set a little timer on your phone and just share and have the other guys not be able to interrupt. That for most men would be fucking groundbreaking. That's the, it was for me, like to think about doing something like that coming out of the places that I came out of, you know? And I, I forget sometimes because I, this is my day to day. Right. So like you guys asking that question, it's, it's great for me to even reflect on that. Like a man who has never even heard of a men's group, how does he find it? Yeah. yeah. And how right? does he like be in a place to want to find it? Cause I think yeah. if I told my husband he should join a men's group, he'd be like, no, like, why do I need to join a men's group? Right. Yeah. Like, so what step do you kind of need to feel to actively take the action of finding you or mm -hmm. a men's group? You got to be stuck. You got to at least be a little bit frustrated, right? Like you have to have that seed of awareness that like something isn't going the way that you want it to go. Because why else would I ask for help? You know, if I'm cruising along and things aren't, I also want to address something you said earlier, because I think it's a really important point about, and maybe I'll skip over there for a second. Like that line about like most men want to remain unconscious. I just wanted to like ping pong off that a little bit, because I think in my experience with men, most men would not want to remain unconscious if they thought that they were going to get something beneficial from, be from, from becoming conscious. But I think that there's a lot of fear around what it even means. I know for me, there was a lot of fear around what it would even mean to, to open up. Right. To feel my feelings. Like, I don't want to fucking feel those feelings. I've been told that, that like those will get in the way. This is something that comes up a lot in coaching is like, okay, cool, Sean. Like, yeah, I, I hear you on that. It feels like it might be good to like express myself, but is that going to like fuck up my job? Is that going to like fuck up my ability to make money and like be out in the world and be like tough, you know? Cause I know for me at the beginning of like, when you start to get in touch with your emotion, and have awareness there that there's like probably decades of feelings that you've never felt. It's fucking terrifying because yeah. it's like, is that going to take me out? Is that going to overwhelm me? Yeah. So, and I think maybe, you know, just the way psyches work, like the way we protect ourselves, like I think a lot of men probably on some level are feeling that even if they're not aware of it. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think I, it's not that I think men want to remain unconscious, but I agree with you. I think there's a level of like, 
I'm not, I've actually been lucky enough to date most men who are very interested in this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, so we can bounce off. So, I mean, that can also, we've talked about this prior, like that can also be toxic because then your entire relationship becomes very therapizing <laughs> versus like fun. And like, even in my current partnership, we're like, let's say that for our therapist. Let's talk about something else, yeah. you know, like, yeah. cause then it's like your updates on what your coach said and whatever. But mm -hmm. I do think that like, I am seeing it more, but I do think there's a level of like, real repression and avoidance of wanting to even go there. Mm. And I mean, I think men are very repressed. Would you agree? Yeah. And to add to I think that everybody's question, repressed, but, that's true. But, but how do you get men to get back in touch with their feelings and not repress them? I mean, that's the work. That's like the work that I do. You know, I mean, that there's many tools for, for doing that. I think the first step is always awareness. Like the awareness that that, like even this conversation, the awareness that, cause, cause I know for me at the beginning of, of my journey with this stuff, like when I started to read books, like I started to get triggered cause I would read books about like inner child stuff and the fact that they're like anger and grief and all these things, like, like guys expressing those. And I would get triggered reading the book cause, cause that was in me and I knew it on some level. Right. So yeah. like the first step is really the awareness that this is happening because there's no, there's not a lot of education around this even today, right? Like the conversation you and I were having before we started, the fact that most of us are repressed and have decades of unfelt emotion in our body stuck as energy, that line right there, there's not a lot, enough education about that. No, not at all. So what would the second step be once they're this, aware? The second step would be, at least for me, as I became more aware that that was happening, I started to feel a little bit. I started to feel like, oh, shit, I'm checking in with myself. Cause that's, that's one of the first things that we do in a men's group is like, we, we do, we do check-ins every day and we say, Hey, I'm Sean, I'm checking in today. I'm feeling most men, again, me included. I had never checked in with myself every day and said what I was feeling, you know, just that process of checking in and being like, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling kind of sad today. Yeah. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. If you say you're feeling anxious two weeks in a row, that's very different from just sitting in quiet, feeling anxious. Yeah. Cause you're saying it out loud. Naming emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really the second step. There's like an awareness thing and then there's awareness of what's actually happening in the body. And that would be the first. And then once you start feeling it, so then I say I'm anxious twice in a row, then what? If I'm feeling anxious twice in a row, then, Hey, why am I feeling anxious? Maybe I got to dig a little bit deeper. You know, it just, it just becomes an excavation. But that's like where you come in and help them dig a little yeah. deeper because I think sometimes men find it hard to like get to the root of those feelings. Of course. Well, the other thing I'll say is that to take it back to the witnessing, like the father, the healthy father energy that we've been talking about, being witnessed in your feelings is also a completely different experience than just feeling them. Being right. witnessed by others in your feelings, especially other men, for most men is groundbreaking because again, we've been taught, do not show your cards. Unless it's like anger, you know, unless it's like coming out in sort of an aggressive like business or like sports capacity, like just straight up don't show you feel anything. So like a man coming into a men's group and being like, I'm feeling anxious, that right there is like so vulnerable. And to actually have that be applauded and celebrated as opposed to like, you're such a pussy. Right. Well, you can't make it through the day. Thing, uh, you can't make it through your job. You can't make it through your relationship. You know, so you're failing. Were you into any of this stuff when you were living this glamorous life and GQ editor? Hell no. You were just <laughs> unconscious. Well, no, I, I mean, so I went, I went to rehab when I was 26 and I'm now 40. Oh, wow. So I was introduced to looking inward at, at a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty young, 26. So was that the experience, the rehab experience led you to get onto this path? It was one of the things that when I was in the rehab, it was the first time I had ever, for instance, like we had to keep a journal and I had to turn my journal in and give it to my counselor, which felt really vulnerable. Like every day I had to like write something and then she would read it and leave comments. And like, so that was a whole new experience. I remember sharing things in that journal because I've, I've always loved to write. So that was a way for me to feel like I could be really vulnerable without like just having to tell you face to face. Right. So like, I remember at 26, like pouring into that journal, like it was the most vulnerable I had ever been and been able to share with another person. And the fact, again, to take it back to validation, she would write, the more vulnerable I was, the more she would praise me. 
Right. You know, she'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Great insight and keep going. You know, so I just keep digging, keep right. digging, Positive keep digging. So you were exercising the muscle. Yeah, so, exercising the muscle. That's then, what it is. It's all rest. So it's then all practice. When you left rehab, is that when your whole kind of like inner journey began? Yeah, and what, and like the switch from being a GQ editor to moving into the space altogether? No, I mean, I, I was, I worked at GQ years after I went to rehab. So mm. um, that was kind of the first real gig I had after rehab. Because one of the things that rehab woke me up to is like, I mean, kind of, it's the premise of everything that you guys talk about. It was like, I've been going on this other path. That is not the path that I want to be on. I need to get more in alignment with who I am. And I've always loved to write and I love clothes. So here we go. Let's, let's go do something else. You know, it was just like, it was the next step in me getting a little bit closer to who I actually was, was that job. So no, but I mean, I went, I went back to drugs after I got back from me. I, I, I went all along the. Wow. So then what was the catalyst to make you here today? For me, the, the most profound catalysts were always breakups. And it was a breakup that I went through at the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, that really brought me to my knees because I was, I was suicidal and I was like, holy shit, I'm suicidal. Like, right. and my dad committed suicide. So it was like, I was like, holy shit, I'm my dad. Like, I need to get off this track. ASAP. Um, so that was when I really started to be, that was my moment of, I'll do anything. And then you sought yeah. out therapy and a coach and all that from that moment. How old were you I've been in therapy happened? for years, but that's when I got into men's work. And that's when I got into, I did this really profound group in New York for like three years, a psychodrama group, which is like actually acting out your family of origin stuff. And like on a stage with people playing parts, like, you know, it's kind of like family constellation yeah, stuff. It's, it's like, like someone would be your mom. Little, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Internal family of, system. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Your dad killed himself. That's very intense. How old were you when that happened? I was 22. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and thank you. how did that, how, I mean, where do you even go from there? Like how? I mean, my world went black. Right. Now it's been a while since then. Have you ever looked back and been like, oh, that makes sense. I saw him struggling. I mean, I think that is in particular watching a man, you know, suffer to its end, Mm -hmm. right? So that's like almost exactly the work you're doing is like to prevent that for men. 100%. I mean, my dad was the perfect example for me in, in many ways because my dad was someone who he got everything that he was chasing Mm. and then he lost it. And he couldn't go on. Right. And it took me a while to actually figure that out and see that. Like in what did he get and what did he lose? He really wanted like those traditional modes of success. Mm-hmm. And for him, it always came through women. So like he married my stepmother came from a lot of family money and he married into that relationship. And he got to live this life that was like very fabulous and that he always wanted. And then, you know, he ended up he was stealing money from her and she caught him. And she asked him for a divorce and, you know, they, Whoa. they tried to try to fix things for a couple of years, but it never, it never righted the ship and, uh, the trust was broken. And so they separated and then he went off the deep end and I was with him. Like I was with him a lot in that last year of his life. And I really got to watch his decline. And it was like, it was like meeting a different person. Like I, I actually, in, in a way it was actually beautiful because I finally felt like I got to see my real dad. Because Um, before it was always like a facade. Like my dad was like very much this gregarious facade. He was like a magnetic life of the party type of guy. But it was all bullshit because behind that, I mean, I'm not going to say it was all bullshit. He was an amazing person and was so beloved by his friends and his colleagues and all that stuff. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't bullshit, but you know, there was a facade too. It was a mask because behind that, there was a lot of insecurity. There was a lot of deep seated stuff. What would you say to him knowing what you know now? What would you say to him, not even as your father, but like as someone who coaches men? What would you say to him if you saw him going through that? You know, it's interesting now. It's a cool question because at this point, I really see him more as like just a brother, like another man going through the struggles that I know that all men go through. So like when I think of him now, it's been almost 18 years since he passed. Like I think of it more as like, dude, I just under, I understand. Like, I, I totally get where you were. And like, I, I love you for where you were. And I understand why that was really overwhelming and why you didn't feel like you could get out of that. Like, I really get that because I've been there myself. And especially that generation, I think it's, there's not men's groups. Like this has just recently become more of a, you know, 
common thing. I think the consciousness revolution is more of like a today's day thing. Like if I asked my parents, they saw therapists growing up and all that. It's like, absolutely not. That wasn't a thing that you would do. So that pushing the, the repression of the feelings go under and now you know, it's pretty common for men to have therapists and for mm-hmm. women to have them as well and to discuss feelings and whatnot. We're, we're getting more conscious as a collective, um, but back then wasn't as common. Totally. I feel, I feel like people in our generation are doing the work of many generations. Yeah. We're all unwinding a lot. So I've, I've always felt really connected to that. When I, when I first heard that premise, I always felt really connected to that because I was like, well, I'm positive that I'm doing work for my dad because my dad didn't, my dad exited. Right. But but now I'm like, no, I'm doing work for my grandfather. I'm doing work for his grandfather. It's like, it's this very intergenerational thing because we are like, to take it back to what we've been talking about so much, it's like, we're really healing. We're healing these masculine and feminine poles like across our culture, across yeah. all of our cultures right now and across the world. Like, I think that the devaluing of the feminine has hurt everyone. A hundred percent. Like it's like, it, and it's not, it's not just, it obviously manifested in devaluing women, human women, but it's like, it's actually f- the feminine that's been devalued. It's like the ability to receive. It's where the do you ability think that to, comes from? Like I have my theory, it comes from feeling inferior, right? That's usually where devaluing mm, comes from. Yeah. Like men feeling inferior to women. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? This, and I'm talking about like historically way back when. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at, and I don't, I don't know the timing on this and this definitely isn't my specialty, so I may butcher it, but, but I know that, I know that at some point in these big cycles that we have in, of human life, Mm -hmm. that we came from a space where, where women were revered in, in the way that we now revere like men, right? It's literally the story of Barbie. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah, you seen yeah. Barbie? No, I haven't seen it yet. Well, I want that's to. literally <laughs> the plot line. It's like about how Barbie land is it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but like Barbie land is like women are president and women's this. And it's like yeah. the safest, best place ever. And then all of a sudden, like Ken goes into the real world and finds out about the patriarchy. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to go and take it back. But there is a good lesson in there yeah. because even when Barbie land is Barbie land as it was, mm it's an extreme too. Mm-hmm. And it's too much value on women and it's ignoring men. Totally. So there is a, there's this, you know, I think at the end of the day, we need to value each other's differences versus totally. like being like one, it's like masculine and feminine, not masculine yeah. versus feminine. Totally. And I think it, it starts from within, right? right? Like for, for each of us, I mean, I, I think sweeping change across culture, across the world, all starts with our own inner work. Which is, which is such a relief, right? Like I don't actually need, all I need to do is just work on myself. I mean, it's not a small thing, but. No, I mean, definitely. What would you say about men who shut down? Because I think a lot of men shut down. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Like, and to women, I think people, women want to, I, I believe it's fear. You know, I can imagine all the things it is, but what would you say about women, men that shut down and to women who are dealing with that? Mm, Can you give me an example? I think back to the kind of this repression thing. It's like, I think women have more tools, mostly because A, I think just in general, we have friends, we have like a different dynamic in general, and we've had to develop tools to deal with the world we're living in, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's both. Whereas I think men, you know, if they're super stressed can shut down. They don't necessarily, I think we need to teach men tools, which is like what you're doing, men's groups, like helping men deal with being human yeah. so that they can show up for others. Yeah. Women are struggling because, you know, if you love a man and he's ill-equipped to deal with the stress of work or this or money or whatever, you're like, oh, how do I, you know, reach you? Mm-hmm. So I guess to both men and women, like, what would you say to a man who typically shuts down? Shuts yeah. down in the sense of like, you know, is having a conversation and like walks out or gets angry yeah. or like right away yeah. like feels yeah. threatened and leaves so that you can't even have the conversation. Yeah. I think he needs like good male support. I think that's the first step, you know, even yeah. if it's just a therapist, a male therapist, you know, yeah, even if it's just a friend to talk to. Right? So how do you get how do you get men to talk about their feelings to friends when they're used to talking about business and challenging each other like you said is an important thing for men like how do you get them to be like hey like I'm having a really hard time my wife says this or I'm dating this girl and mm-hmm. I don't know how to get to her. like that sort of thing I mean I really think it comes back to 
two things, like providing a safe space for men to do that. Because again, that's the beauty of a, like a container, like a group mm-hmm. or, or working with a therapist is like, it is a safe space to practice this stuff. Right. Because it, it is scary to, if you've never been vulnerable with your friend before to like have your same, you know, you're going out for beers with them on a Friday night and like this time's going to be different and I'm going to like tell them every, I'm going to like open up. Like that's fucking scary. So society needs to help make that safe place and make it okay. Like who's Ideally. making it a safe place? Would you say that I, this is my opinion and no. then people might... Sorry, go ahead. No, go no, ahead, go I, ahead. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, ideally we're working towards that very slowly, but I think we have to have more safe spaces where men can go right. and okay. practice that. Yeah. I do believe this is changing, but my take on it is it sort of feels like women in fighting for their rights have also kind of not made it safe for men. Would you agree with this? Yes. I mean, I, I would look at the the landscape of the last, say, I don't know, six, five, six years, like since like the Me Too era Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, where men were actually very scared. Some men were very scared. I felt this way. Like we're scared to say anything because what if it was the wrong thing? Right. Well, that's also like the whole cancel culture, you know, like no one is allowed to make a mistake. Well, that's like even why for me personally, like I don't believe in being like, fuck men. You know, I know that the wing was like a, direct response to everything that was happening. And I totally support the people who are, who believe in that. Like, I believe everyone should have, if that's what makes them happy, great. And and I do think women need support from other women. So if that's where you're going to get it, great. But I do think that this like conversation around fuck men or men will never understand they're stupid or like, cause that is, and I have felt this way sometimes Mm -hmm. too, where I'm like, oh my God, you know, where I'm very frustrated and a lot of people are. Sure. But I do think like, it's kind of like, you know, having a kid and being mad at them for not understanding math. And instead of being like, let me help you through this and Mm -hmm. give you the tools to help you understand and get through this class, kind of shaming them for it. And so I'm like, I think we just need to completely rebuild our approach, but there's a lot of resentment and forgiveness that has to happen from women to men. Totally. Right. Like, I think there's all this anger and totally valid anger. You know, I have, I have it too. I'm I'm Iranian, you know, like that's not historically like, but I mean, present day, but also historically. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that there's just this level, I guess I was curious if you agree of like per needing a safe space to fail and a safe space to grow and a safe space to be like, I actually don't know how to be vulnerable. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Or can you guide me to the right coach or group? Mm. I do kind of feel like we've, as women, because we're angry, mm. been like, fuck off. Yeah. Go figure it out yourself. Yeah, you know, totally. and I think that's just not helpful yeah. at this rate because I mean, especially as a straight woman, if you want to continue dating men and like building a family with them, like you're going to have to figure this out, right? That's like a true thing. I'm like, well, what are we going to do? Like, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just to quickly touch on that, I, I feel that there's definitely work on both sides here. You sorry. know, like I think if you're having resentment, if you're having anger come up, then I mean, that's that's your stuff. Yeah. It's justified, but it's still your stuff. And you still have to work through it. No yeah. one else can heal that. I, I think both men and women need spaces to go process what we're talking about. Process what has historically been happening yes. and taking care of generations yes. of these fucked up dynamics. We all need safe spaces. I know. It's like, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, that's, that's we, what we need more than anything else right now. The world is not a now. safe space, unfortunately, right now, which is really sad. Well, there are a lot of safe spaces though. You just have to find them. There, there's more safe spaces than ever. Yeah. I agree with that. That's, I guess that's true on the flip side though. Just like when I think about government and I think about the fact that like, I mean, even LA, look it up. Like I'm talking about like physical safety, you know, yeah. like it's institutions. Kind of- yes. But I think within the society, there are a lot of safe spaces. You just have to be able to seek them out and you have to be, yes. to your point earlier, you have to be self-aware that you need to seek them out. Yeah. Or in enough trouble where yeah. you, you got to put your hand up and ask for help. Right. Because I think that that's how more people are waking up these days than ever. I mean, if I look at just the last three years, right, like COVID was the biggest prompt for people to seek help ever. And that's because people were put face to face with themselves in a way that's <laughs> nothing. Ha- but we hadn't faced something like that in, a, I mean, quite a few years. Wow, that's wild. Say. Yeah. Before our final question, I have one last question. We kind of covered this for women. Mm-hmm. But just to reiterate, if you had one piece of advice to women, mm-hmm. 
navigating relationships with men, whether that's at work, romantic, et cetera, what would it be? And I think earlier you said- um, Trying your best. Yeah, that knowing that everyone's trying their best. Mm. And if that still stands true, great. And then for men, same thing. If like men listening who maybe aren't doing the work or Mm. are curious or looking for help or whatever, what would you say? Men to men and just like man to man, Mm -hmm. what would you be like? What would you say? Yeah. I think one thing that one dynamic that I see a lot, and this maybe be a little bit controversial, but it sort of just jumps off of what we were just talking about is I feel like one, one sort of dynamic that gets played out a lot in male, female relationships is that the woman is like, yeah, but it's all, it's all on him. Like he's got to change. Right. I actually would disagree and say that both men and women do that. We all do that as humans. Yeah. Yeah. And our coach that we see and our friend Emily sees yeah. her, which I love about her, is yeah. she has no tolerance for that. She is like, stop telling me about what he did. Yeah. This Don't is, tell me if about you have a problem with him, right. this is, it's your problem. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I would say that that's universal. Yeah. I, I just think that there, there is, especially in the personal growth space, mm-hmm. there is that, that line of like, well, yeah, but women are like more in touch, more more in touch with themselves than men. So it's like it's his job to like go figure it out because you know, like I feel like that's really prevalent. And again, that that may just be my observation from sitting in men's groups all day. Yeah, long. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, but no, that's no, also I'm one. Aware you know, it's one view. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah, and yeah, because so. I don't think a lot of men are walking. I'm. I, I was just like back that up by saying, I don't think a lot of men are walking around being like, I, I just need to get my, my partner into like more personal growth work and that'll like fix the relationship. But I don't know. That, that is very that. true. But do you, uh, would you agree that right now, consciously speaking, I'm not talking about all women, women are, but I do think that there's a level of emotional maturity and EQ that women are surpassing, like have, are they're here. Without so they're sort doubt. of like, like I know in my relationship and not always, there's yeah. been times with my partner where he's lifting me up, Yeah. but sometimes it's the opposite. Totally. But I, I can tell that that's very vulnerable and emasculating place to sit as a man. Mm. You know, someone what, what is being kind of looking down and be like, Hey, meet me where I am. But that's kind of partnership, right? You're like, mm. hopefully like one person rises, the other person meets, one person rises, the other person meets. It's never going to be totally equal. Yeah. I mean, I think the most common complaint in relationship, at least as I've seen it again, this is just my experience, is that a woman is asking a man to be more in tune with her, which means more in tune emotionally. So yes, to what so you said. So it sounds like we all need to be more in our feminine. I mean, it's, it definitely is like, like, there's so much it. healing. There's so much healing around. Yeah. The acceptance of, of, cause we all have both of our so more receptive side. Like women need to be okay being in their feminine and men need to be okay accepting that side of them and like tuning into their feelings. For sure. And then for men, what would you say to them if you were like this one piece of advice, right? Even if it's just for right now where you're like, this is what I'm seeing. Like a good one-liner. Yeah. I just feel like with, with men, what, what a lot of us don't know is that if we get involved in this work, like every part of our life is going to get better and it's not going to happen right away. Actually, it may get worse before it gets better, but you are going towards something that is going to be a lot more manageable for you. Cause again, guys are looking for like, like we like solving problems. We like, like hacking stuff. Right. So it's like, this is a life hack on every level to get more in tune with your emotions, to get more in tune with your feelings, to get more in tune with your sensitivity. That is a life hack on every level you will experience more joy, more fulfillment, more success. If, I, if I'm not connected to myself, I don't know what it is that out there that's going to make me fulfilled because I don't know who I am. 100%. And you don't even know, you can't even be in a healthy relationship if you don't know what you're looking for in a partner. No. Because you don't know yourself. You don't know what you need or what yeah. you want. I think both men and women are, we're all operating so much from it, which is why I like the premise of your podcast. Like so many of us are operating from these like programs of what will make a successful life, right? Yeah. From what we're we working see. off pictures. It's a fucking mood board, right? Yeah. We're not working from within. We're no. working from without. Yeah. Totally. yeah. That's amazing. And I completely agree with you. And I'm glad you, you shared that with us. Yeah. So Sean, what's the point? <laughs> At least right now. I mean, for me, like everything that we're talking about today is like the point. I think like opening up and having these kinds of conversations is such a valuable step. I think that I'm really into talking about stuff that feels a little bit taboo and like is like not 
like the normal conversation that we might have. And I think these conversations, especially between men and women are super juicy. This is the point right here is like us having this conversation. Cause like, I don't know, someone may hear this and be like, Oh damn, light bulb just went on. Or like, you know, this helped me a little bit or like, you know, or this pissed me off. And like that put me in a direction. Yeah. Which also you got to ask yourself, (laughs) why did that piss me off? Of course. Yeah. You know, like it's something within you. Again, this is, uh, I, I just want to reiterate what I said before. Like we've created a safe space to have this conversation today. 100%. That's what it's about. It's just about creating as many safe spaces as possible where we can have conversations like this, because this is how we're learning about each other. I just learned so much from like listening to you guys in terms of like, you know, it's just so helpful to get perspective. Yeah. And creating a safe space within yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not to do without, with, as yeah. so without, what is it? As so within. As so, so without. without, so within, I right. think. Yeah, this is wonderful. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so we much. Need a part two. There's yeah. so much to talk about. So to. much to unpack. It's like an hour is never enough. It's yeah. never yeah. enough. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.